Thank you for tuning in to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. You're about to hear a live sermon, which was recorded at our 11 a.m. contemporary service. We are thrilled to share it with you. Thank you for listening. This morning, we are continuing our sermon series, The Outsiders. We've been working our way through the Gospel of Matthew, and this morning we have found ourselves in Matthew 15. I'm going to tell you from the very beginning, our story this morning is not my favorite. I was not exactly excited when I saw this is the one Jeff had assigned for today, and I was preaching today. And I want you to know it's a really difficult passage. Matter of fact, I am willing to say I think this is the most difficult passage in all of Scripture. But it is appropriate that the word of the Lord is bigger than our comprehension. And so I hope that you will take time this morning to sit in our text, to sit with this passage to wrestle with it, to struggle with it, to see what it is that the Holy Spirit is saying to us and through this passage. I decided that what I'll do, because I'm not going to lie, even as much as this morning, I was like, what do you say in a sermon about this passage? So I decided what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you my journey through this scripture, and maybe you'll agree with it, maybe you won't. That's okay. Do with it what you will, but I would invite you to listen for the Spirit at work through it, kind of regardless. So let's turn to Matthew 15, and before we do that, let me pray for us. Holy God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks because you are a big God, and your word is a big word. So Lord, I pray that you would help our finite human brains wrestle with this word this morning. God, guide us and direct us that the words that are read and heard and spoken, Lord, that they are your words. God, that this encounter with you would be so powerful that we cannot walk away unchanged. And God, that anything that is not of you would fall away. Lord, be with us and bless us. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So Matthew 15, starting at verse 21 and working our way to verse 28. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But Jesus did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. Jesus answered, it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. And she said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. Friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Every Wednesday morning at 1030, we have a women's Bible study. If you're ever around, we would love for you to join us. But we're also making our way through the book of Matthew. And a couple of weeks ago, we got to this this story in Matthew 15. 
We get to the story and we struggle with it. We wrestle with it as this intense hour that we had together. What are we going to do with this passage? This passage where Jesus not only initially ignores a woman, but then when he does talk to her, he compares her to a dog. We struggled with what are we going to do with this? Because if we acknowledge that there's something we don't like about what Jesus said here, then surely that will somehow put our standing at risk on the good Christian list. So what are we going to do with it? And we had an amazing hour together. It was so, so, so good. And after it was done, I went back down to the office and I was talking to some staff people and I said, oh man, we just had the most intense Bible study. It was so good. But I have to tell you, I'm so glad to be done with that passage. And one of them said, Lindsay, you're preaching that passage in a couple of weeks. All right. So this is a tough passage. It's, it was a difficult, it is a difficult passage for me. And, and I hope that we'll take time to wrestle with it together this morning. Let me give you some background on the woman in our story this morning. Matthew tells us that she's a Canaanite woman from the region of Tyre and Sidon. Now, this phrase would indicate to us that there are approximately one bajillion ways that Jesus and this woman would have been different. And definitely, this phrase tells us that the culture at the time would have certainly had something to say about who the woman was. You see, in Mark's gospel, when Mark tells us this same story, he simply identifies this woman as a Gentile. But Matthew Matthew ups the stakes a little bit. Matthew wants us to understand how different she is. Matthew wants us to understand she's an outsider. So he calls her a Canaanite. A Canaanite would have identified her with the Old Testament enemies of the Israelites, the Jewish people. Not to mention on top of that, she's a she and Jesus is a he. The culture would have told her that her class, her gender, her race, her status, that they were lowly and subpar, and certainly that she would not have been significant enough to approach someone like Jesus. But she does. She gets in to see Jesus. She braves it. She bullies it. I don't know, but she gets in there to see Jesus, and she calls out to him. Actually, the Greek word here also means scream or shriek. We're going to use the same word later in the book of Revelation to describe the cries of a woman in labor. And so Jesus chooses not to acknowledge these frantic cries and the disciples say, Jesus, you have to do something about this woman Apparently, the disciples are annoyed at the persistence of her presence or the volume of her voice or the unrelenting request of this woman because finally, in great exasperation, the disciples say, Jesus, make her go away. The disciples have to ask because Jesus ignores her. And I have to tell you, this is part of this passage that's such a doozy for me what are we going to do with this idea of Jesus ignoring someone? And not just someone, but someone in need, someone desperate for Jesus to help them. And who is more desperate than a mother with a child who is suffering? 
What parent of a suffering child hasn't cried and begged the Lord that they would be able to switch places with their child because surely it would be better to endure our, the hurt our own selves than to see the one who holds the dearest part of our hearts hurting. So the woman cries out on behalf of her child. What I can't understand is how can Jesus ignore her? It's hard. It's hard to know what to do with this passage because we want to protect Jesus. We want to make sure Jesus doesn't get any bad press here. We don't want anyone to think that Jesus said or did something that's not the best ever. There's something about existing in church culture where we feel like it's our job to be Jesus's public relations manager. We want to make sure that no one hears anything that might not be the best about Jesus. And we're not the only ones. There's lots of well-meaning scholars that do the same thing. Because we, we feel like here's this passage where Jesus initial, initially ignores a woman, and then when he does speak to her, he, he compares her to a dog. What are we going to do with that? How can we make this feel better? And so the scholars look at this and they think, okay, some of them say, maybe he's testing the woman. Some of them say, maybe he's testing the disciples. Some of the scholars say that it was playful first century banter. He was teasing her. There's even some scholars that say, well, there's parts of the story that have been edited out. We, we don't have the full picture. There's other stuff that will go in here, so it will sound better. It could be. It could be those things. But the more I read it and the more I spend time with it, what I can't help but think is, if Jesus is God incarnate who created the entire world without our help, and maybe if Jesus, while we were still sinners and not able to help anyway, died for the forgiveness of sins, and maybe if Jesus, while he was here on earth, was walking around feeding 5,000 and walking on water and turning water into wine and healing people without our help, then maybe, just maybe, then Jesus doesn't need us to be his PR manager. And if that's the case, if that's the case, and we don't need to be Jesus' PR manager, then maybe it's okay for us to be bold enough to ask, why didn't Jesus acknowledge this woman? And I think we can. I think we can do that in a way that is faithful and honors our faith and honors who Jesus is. But I have to tell you that in the end, I don't know why Jesus didn't respond to the cries of this woman initially. I don't know why Matthew doesn't tell us why Jesus didn't respond. But I wonder if maybe Matthew chose not to explain this to us because Matthew knows that there are so many times that we have lifted up our own cries and we have been certain that no one has heard them. Times we have begged and pleaded with the Lord, and sometimes it just feels like all we get is radio silence. I don't know how it works. I don't understand how that works. 
I suspect it has something to do with God's timing and God's ultimate purposes and the fact that we live in a broken world. But the fact of the matter is there are times when we feel unacknowledged by the one we are crying out to. But our woman today, this brave and courageous outsider woman in the scripture, she persisted. She kept crying out. She had something to say. She didn't hang her head and walk away. She continued to cry out to the Lord so that the Lord would hear her. The text tells us that she comes and kneels before him, that she calls him Lord, that she asks for his help. And then, then Jesus makes that comment that stirs every PR manager cell in our body. Jesus says, it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Ah, Jesus. Couldn't you have said something else there? Like, anything else there, Jesus. We want it to be better. We want it to feel better. And so we, we go back to this idea that, that maybe he is teasing or maybe there's words that got edited out or maybe this is some kind of test. Anything, we want anything that will be better than Jesus using a racial slur to tell a woman he's not going to help her. But let's just say, let's say just for a minute that Jesus did actually say what the text says he said. Let's say that Jesus did indeed say something that makes us cringe a little bit on the inside. Honestly, it's highly possible that he really did say it. As a matter of fact, calling a Gentile woman a dog, it was kind of commonplace. Everyone's way of referring to those of lowly social status like a Gentile woman would have been to call them a dog. If he did say it, Jesus wouldn't have been the first. As a matter of fact, a friend of mine recently pointed out that perhaps Jesus wasn't so much calling her a dog as much as he was naming that which was on everyone else's mind around him. So if he did... If he did say it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. What I want to make sure we notice then is that the woman didn't duck. She didn't run. She didn't throw back some sort of an insult. Rather, she received Jesus's words and continued to honor who Jesus was. She maintained her humble status and she offered back to Jesus that God's grace and provision are not an if-then situation of scarcity. She said that feeding the children, it doesn't mean that the dogs have to starve. The situation that's at hand here is not about fixing one thing before you can get over to another. She takes the language of this culture that refused to welcome her and she turned the story around and she said, our God is big. 
It isn't about who gets it first. It's about a God who's abundant now. It's about a God who's generous now. It's about a God who is overflowing with mercy now. She declares right there in front of Jesus and all of those people, there is a big enough God to go around. A big enough God to hear all of our cries. A big enough God to feed all who are hungry, those who are hungry for healing, those who are hungry for mercy, those who are hungry for justice. Our God is big enough to hear our cries and feed those who are hungry. And with that, with that, the Gentile woman becomes the only person in all of Scripture to affect a change in the behavior of Jesus. Because Jesus, Jesus in his own bold courage, hears her perspective and honors her request. In that conversation, Jesus modeled for the disciples and all of us what it looks like to be in a humble and authentic relationship with someone who's different. Someone who's a different economic class, someone who's a different race, someone who's a different political party, someone who's a different status of any sort. Jesus showed us what it looked like to be with someone who is different. And he modeled God's grace and mercy. I have to tell you, I don't think that the significance of of this story is in Jesus's healing of that girl. Jesus healed lots of people. I think the significance is in the fact that Jesus met someone different and he was bold enough to hear her story in a real way and it made a difference to him. Here, Jesus hears the authentic and valuable story of a perspective that was different from his own. And I would offer to you that in that conversation, Jesus's perspective And not just his perspective, his his understanding of his very own call, his understanding of his interaction with the world, that all of that was impacted in that conversation for Jesus. And so now this text that's been following me around for these last weeks, it it becomes on one end the story of the courage and boldness of an outsider who has this big faith and meets Jesus shrieking, knowing God is big enough to hear her cries. And at the same time, it becomes this story of Jesus and how Jesus listened and was molded and shaped by the perspective of someone else. It becomes a celebration of the mutuality of two faithful people willing to engage in dialogue. And that conversation then, the conversation with Jesus and the Canaanite woman becomes a holy space. And in that holy space, life was given. And not just to the little girl and not just to the Jews, But now to the Gentiles, now to the outsiders, now to the people who are different, now to all of us. Now life is given to us. So I'm going to tell you 
that if I'm going to be really honest with you, if I am going to honestly share with you my own journey with this scripture, I have to tell you that when I first started working with this passage, I assumed, of course, I would take the perspective of the woman. I'm a woman. It seemed natural. I also have some things to say about what it's like to be a woman in a place where people don't always want to see a woman. But I have to tell you that as I delved into the scripture and as I got to know this Canaanite woman, and as I lived through various experiences over the last couple of weeks, I realized I'm not the woman in the story. I'm not bold and courageous in my faith the way she is. I don't have the discipline to pray without ceasing. I'm not shrieking out to God for the deepest cries of my heart. And I'm not willing to call others who name, to call out others who name outsiders as outsiders. But the thing is, I don't get to be Jesus in this passage either, because if I'm honest, I don't have the courage to not only name my bias out loud, but then actively engage in authentic dialogue where I'm courageous and vulnerable enough to be shaped by the conversation. And so the truth of the matter is, the more time I spent with this passage, the more I realized I'm a disciple. I'm one of the people in the crowd. I am quiet. And y'all, this is hard for me because I don't want to be quiet. I want to be the kind of person that takes a stand for my faith. I want to be the kind of person that will shriek until someone is listening to me. And all of these amazing things have been happening over the last couple of weeks. I, I met with my pastor group and I realized as we're having dialogue in the pastor group, I realized I want to be the kind of person that takes a stand for racial justice. I want to be the kind of person that creates safe places for people who have felt less than for so long. I want to honor people's story and make a place for them to feel welcome at the table. And I realized in the last couple of weeks as Mary Cox and so many of the people from the Mission Outreach Council have been leading us in a conversation about the materially poor in our community, I realized I want to be the kind of person that takes a stand for people in the community that don't have the kind of access to a sustainable lifestyle. I want to take a stand so that people have a life that they can attain and, and they can sustain and they can live it and we can be in community together that my children and, and their children, that they would go to school together, that they would know one another, that they would be in authentic relationship. I want to be brave enough to enter into those holy places where differences are made. But instead, I'm quiet. And more often than I would like to admit, I ask for someone to please make that shrieking outsider go away. So what I've learned then, what I've learned from Jesus and from the Canaanite woman is that the holiness this morning in our passage, the holiness is in the conversation, in the interaction. Because Jesus and the woman they weren't timid. They weren't quiet. Neither one of them would, would, 
would back off from who they were. They didn't hide from who they were. They engaged in a bold and courageous way in their faith. And because of that holy space where they were courageous and humble and honored one another, in that holy space, life was given. Friends, I think our call this morning with this passage is that we too would enter into that space that we would pray without ceasing, that we would listen to the other without ceasing. Because in the give and take of knowing one another, life is given. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Holy God, we give you thanks because you are a big God with a big word for us. And so, Lord, we pray that this morning that you would challenge us, that you would encourage us, that you would call us into new spaces where we would engage others in a real and life-giving way. Lord, and in the midst of all of that, we would be overwhelmed by the wideness of your mercy. In your holy name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. If you'd like more info about Roswell Presbyterian Church, check out our website at roswellpres.org.